Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parking Show. Let's do this. Thank you for hanging out with me. It is the Danny Parking Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio.com sports, Sirius 206, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. My name is Danny Parkins, and I'm coming to you live from the great city of Chicago, where I do afternoon drive on 670 The Score. Odd day in my city. Mitch Trubisky got hurt. Chase Daniel led the team to a win. And the manager who fired, or excuse me, who won the World Series for the Chicago Cubs didn't get fired, but there was a mutual parting of ways. Odd day here in Chicago as Joe Madden's no longer the manager of the Cubs. Chase Daniels, the quarterback of the Bears. Roquan Smith didn't play for an unknown reason. Akeem Hicks didn't play for a known reason. And the Bears were able to shut down Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. So odd day in my city that we'll get to as we go throughout the day. One of my favorite people to talk sports with, Carrington Harrison, joins me in 35 minutes. Brad Hopkins He's a better athlete than me. He was a two-time pro bowler in the NFL for the Titans and Oilers back in the day. He's on the show in an hour and a half. But as we like to do at the start of the show, since Sunday night football is still going on, 10 things at 10 Eastern on week four in the National Football League. Boys, give me some music. I'm going to start with a team that I was impressed with in a loss. I watched almost every snap of Lions Chiefs. The Lions are better than I thought they were. They collapsed week one to tie with the Cardinals. So they came into this one technically undefeated. End up losing at home to the Chiefs. Matt Stafford was making some high-level throws, including what arguably was the best touchdown pass of the season through four defenders late in that game. The Lions defense coached obviously by Matt Patricia. They are really skilled at punching out the ball. There were five fumbles lost in that game. The Lions defense was spectacular at creating turnovers. They honestly should have won. The Chiefs had one of the most improbable touchdowns you could possibly see in NFL history. Lions are going in. Goal to go, one-yard line, fumble at the goal line. Ball is nowhere to be found. Chiefs player picks it up on his knees in the end zone, runs 100 yards. Refs don't blow the whistle dead, which we saw happen again today. We saw it happen in Saints-Rams a couple of weeks ago. Refs actually get it right here, go back to review. Instead of touchdown Lions double-digit lead, it's touchdown Chiefs get back up on top. 
Lions should be very proud of how they played today. They are a tougher out than I thought. Second thing, no particular order of 10 things at 10 Eastern, week four of the NFL. I don't say this lightly, but Vontez Perfect should be kicked out of the NFL. The players who are actually at risk of being banned from the NFL, you know, like Colin Kaepernick for taking a knee or Josh Gordon for having a substance abuse problem where he's damaging himself, not others. If you claim to care about player safety and you allow Vontez Perfect to continue playing football, no one can take you seriously. And of course, no one should take the NFL seriously because they care about making money more than anything else. But his hit on Jack Doyle was straight up headhunting. And in case you don't remember Vontez Perfect's history, and oh yeah, by the way, when he got ejected from hitting Jack Doyle in the helmet and spearing him, he took off his own helmet and ran out and was welcoming the booze from the crowd and blowing kisses. He has lost $4.2 million in salary from games suspended and fines. He has been fined and penalized for twisting ankles when guys were on the ground, kicking players, intentional shots to the groin, making contact with the refs. Vontez Perfect is not safe, and he doesn't care about playing within the rules. He should never be allowed to play football again, at least in the NFL. Number three, like I said, we're going to have a quarterback controversy here in Chicago, and it's going to get uncomfortable because the Bears have a Super Bowl-caliber defense, and Chase Daniel knows the offense better than Mitch Trubisky, but there's nothing else he does better than Mitch Trubisky. He's not a better athlete. He doesn't have a better arm. He's not the future of any team in the NFL, but he came in and beat the Vikings. And I'm not sure if Mitch Trubisky would have been able to beat the Vikings. He certainly would not have been as efficient and chase Daniels going to only look better next week against the Raiders. And then it's the bye, And we don't know how long Mitch Trubisky's out, but what I do know is Mitch Trubisky mentally isn't in a good spot right now. It's going to get worse for him. If chase Daniel plays well, and he's further along in his grasp of Matt Nagy's system because he was with him in Kansas City and, frankly, is just a more cerebral football player. This is going to get really ugly and really uncomfortable here in Chicago, even though logically whenever Mitch is back, he's got to get another shot because of the talent, the athleticism. They use the second overall pick on him. But depending on how long he's out and how well Chase Daniel plays, this is going to get very uncomfortable. Fourth thing, week four, ten things starting at 10 Eastern. I love having the Browns as a relevant team in the NFL, but damn, are they confusing? I think what we learned in that Browns Ravens game, two things. One, Nick Chubb, actually most valuable offensive player on the Browns, not Odell Beckham, not Jarvis Landry, though he had a great day, not Baker Mayfield, who had a nice bounce back. Nick Chubb is who that offense should go through. But I think the other thing we learned is Ravens defense as just a catch-all phrase, man, that doesn't mean that much in 2019. This defense is not special. This defense is hurt, especially in the secondary. They're getting by a lot on reputation. If you're in a season-long fantasy league and starting the Ravens defense, I would ask you why. They're not good. 
that's a defense to target for DFS plays in the future because they're getting by on reputation, and I don't think they deserve to. I think we should have a coach fired, by the way, tomorrow. Fifth thing, as we go through my list of 10 observations from the week, and his name is Dan Quinn. The Falcons are the biggest group of underachievers in the NFL. They have no defensive identity, and they have the offensive skill position talent to be a top five offense, and they're straight up pedestrian. And they honestly border on bad. What excuse do the Titans have? I mean, the Titans are fine, but they should not be able to go into Atlanta and dominate that game start to finish. Falcons got booed at home, and they deserved it. Dan Quinn, it feels like you've lost your team. You've lost that town. I'd fire Dan Quinn tomorrow, concede that this season's over, maybe an interim coach jumpstarts things, and I'd start recruiting Lincoln Riley and say, hey, I know Matt Ryan isn't mobile, but how would you like to bring your offense to a dome with a former MVP quarterback and probably the best duo of wide receivers in the league in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? I'd fire Dan Quinn tomorrow if I'm the Falcons. Speaking of quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins... I'm not, I'm not convinced at all that that thing's permanent in Washington. He's obviously the QB of the future. He'll eventually have the reins there, but he's not ready. If you can't put up more points against that giant secondary and that Giants defense, which is one of the least talented units in the entire NFL, you're just not ready. And that's okay. We knew that he was a project. You know that you want to get him comfortable in the offense. Frankly, you probably want to build around him a little bit more. He's a pocket passer. You want him to have complete control of the system. It's okay that he's not ready four games in, but I don't know if Washington wants to just hand the reins over to him quite yet because that strikes me as a Mitch Trubisky rookie year, Jared Goff rookie year type of thing where, yeah, he might be playing, But if he's not playing in the system that he's going to be playing in long term and he's not playing with any talent around him, it ultimately could lead to some regression and stunted development as opposed to being useful reps. He looked lost out there. I would not be at all surprised if Washington goes back to Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins is not the inevitable starter going forward. Seventh thing. 10 things at 10 o'clock, and then we hear from you, by the way, 855-212-4227. You can react to any of my thoughts from week four or weigh in on your biggest takeaways. Maybe Minshew mania is a thing. I've been dismissive of uh, good old Gardner Minshew II. I just think that sometimes the internet goes a little too far on things. Shocking, I know, but... Like when you have a mustache and jorts and you're compared to Uncle Rico, it's uh, it feels a little hokey and a little overrated, but that's impressive. Going into Denver in September where they have basically the best home field advantage in the NFL in that month over the last 15 years, that's an impressive win. He showed some serious resiliency today. His teammates seemed to respond to him. And at that position, that matters. Nick Foles, natural leader. Teammates love him. He goes down. Gardner Minshew also seems to be a natural leader. I'm not saying he's QB of the future or anything like that, but 
he's more than an internet meme. And I did not feel that way coming into today. Jameis Winston, your table is ready. He is my number eight item of things that I saw in week four of the NFL today as we're doing 10 things at 10 here on the Danny Parkins show. 855-212-4227 for you to weigh in with yours. I, I drafted Jameis Winston in two of my three fantasy leagues. I made a bet on him season props. I was a huge believer that they had enough skill position guys with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who I loved, OJ Howard, Cameron Brate. I just I thought that they had enough skill position guys that when they got Bruce Arians in, he'd throw the ball 40 times a game. And even if they were going to be losing, they'd score a lot of points and he'd throw for a lot of yards. And the first couple of weeks, he looked absolutely god-awful, like he was going to be benched by week six. Then the Giants are a get-right team, or at least they were until Dwayne Haskins played them. The Giants got Jameis Winston right. He had three touchdowns in the first half to Mike Evans last week, four touchdowns, and 385 yards passing with 41 attempts this week. The Bucs hang 55 on the road flying across the country to play the Rams. I don't think Tampa's going anywhere meaningful at 2-2, two and two. But they are a fun team to watch. That was a wild game. And it seems like Jameis Winston is uh, grasping Bruce Arians' system. 9.4 yards uh, per attempt today. Very, very impressive for Jameis Winston. That is the type of fantasy offense I was expecting out of them. Bills Patriots, obviously a huge game as we move on to number nine on my list. Ten things at 10 Eastern that I saw in week four of the NFL. Yo, Bills Mafia. Good news. You have a defense. That defense is real. Pat's O-line is abused and banged up, but you didn't let him off the hook. You made Brady's life miserable. A lot of three and outs, a lot of punts, a lot of getting off the field. Nice job. That defense is real. I saw enough from you to think, okay, you might actually be a legitimate wildcard team in the AFC. Bad news, though, I don't know if you got a quarterback. I know the Patriots defense is awesome, but Josh Allen played the worst football game of any quarterback today. And I know Kirk Cousins played football, but that was just straight up reckless. You've got to take what they're giving you. You've got to be able to make the smart play. If you've got a four-yard gain, don't try for the 34-yard gain if you're throwing a pick in the double coverage. That was just straight-up reckless. The ball on the grounds, jump ball. That was a one-possession game almost all day. You didn't need to be taking all of those risks. And I know that defense hasn't given up an offensive touchdown in a long, 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 long time heading into today. So I know that that's not an easy opponent, but risk calculus, my man. That was that was a step back for Josh Allen. Last thing, and this is a recurring theme on this show. Deshaun Watson was my favorite college football player ever. I admit to having a rooting interest in Deshaun Watson. I enjoy watching him play football, but I don't think I'm alone in that. He is a magician out there. But the Texans are going to get him killed that is just straight up negligence what they're doing to Deshaun Watson sacked six times hit 10 times again another double digit hit game on Deshaun Watson 
They've got no first round picks for forever because they already traded for a left tackle that's making no difference in Laramie Tunsil. I am worried that Deshaun Watson is going to be a comet, meaning that it's brilliant and you see it fly quickly across the sky, never to be seen or heard from again. I want him to be here for a while. I want Deshaun Watson to have a long, productive, illustrious, healthy NFL career. Remember, this is a guy who's already had an ACL surgery on both knees and wasn't able to fly with the team last year because he had to take a bus because of an internal organ injury. He is tough as nails. After the game today, guys on Twitter, like Dan Orlovsky, Chris Mortensen, you know, NFL lifers were saying Deshaun Watson did something after the game today that they had never seen before. He was back out on the field in the stadium working with his quarterback coach after the game. This guy has a work ethic that is second to none. He has a character that is second to none. He has talent that is second to very, very few. He should be an elite face of the NFL caliber talent for the next decade. And I'm worried that Houston is not protecting him and they are going to waste this talent. It's painful to watch him play football when he gets hit as often as he does. The Texans have to figure out a way to keep him upright, whether it's throwing the ball quicker, getting better offensive linemen, keeping tight ends and running backs in, and Max protecting. They need to protect Deshaun Watson. That's 10 things at 10 Eastern, week four of the NFL, 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. We hear from you coming up, plus the absolute coolest play I saw today in the NFL. That's next. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Welcome back into the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Throughout the course of the night, we'll be talking about My 10 things from week four in the NFL and yours at 855-212-4227. But I got to be honest, the coolest thing that I saw today was in that Chiefs-Lions game when Mahomes threw the ball to Kelsey back across the field. He jumps up, catches it, and hook and ladder tosses it to Shady McCoy, who gains another 25 yards or so. Pat Mahomes did not have a touchdown pass in the game. They still won, scored 30-plus on the road. Like that, that Chiefs offense is a juggernaut. They are playing with a freedom and an improvisation level that seems, it seems unnatural in pro football. Like I don't know if you saw Pat Mahomes escape the pocket today, thought that there should have been a holding call, And the camera catches him looking back at the ref, like shooting him a side eye at the head referee behind him as he scampers for a first down and gained like 12 yards on the run. He's so comfortable. He's so natural. They're able to do things that no one else is able to do. Like we see flashes of it from other people. We've seen flashes of it from Aaron Rodgers this year. We've seen flashes of it from Lamar Jackson this year, but that complete control 
without his number one receiver, without his left tackle, to have that level of improvisation and control on the field, it's special, man. And one of the things I want to talk with Carrington about, because he does afternoons in Kansas City, is people have rushed, and I've been guilty of it at times, to do the, what are we watching big picture with Pat Mahomes conversation, right? How many MVPs is he get going to get? Is he the most talented player ever? That we forget how early on in this whole thing we are. Today was his first game ever in a dome. Think about how crazy that is. Your favorite sports talk show has had a conversation comparing Pat Mahomes to Aaron Rodgers and discussing whether or not he's the best talent in the history of the game. I know that because every sports talk show has had that conversation before he ever played a pro game in a dome. We're watching something special, man. 855-212-4227, your biggest thing from week four in the NFL. Quickly, AC in Boston on the Danny Parkin Show. What's up, AC? Hey, man. How you doing? Uh, first time caller. Uh, I kind of want to go back into what you were saying about Josh Allen, where, you know, you can tell that he's really holding that defense back. But if they kind of get into that wild card spot, you know, it's not really going to do them any good. Um, do you see them going into the draft next year, maybe getting a guy like this kid Steve Robinson in Colorado, uh, you know, someone they could get in like the fifth or sixth round? Oh, listen, I mean, if you want to draft a kid in the fifth or sixth round, then I appreciate the call. That's fine. But they're not – Josh Allen will show enough this year that Josh Allen will be the quarterback next year. He was, a, he was the seventh overall pick in the 2018 draft. This is the 2019 season. So it's his second year in the league. I am a proponent of moving on from quarterbacks a little earlier now, but fifth or sixth round, that's no problem. Ron Wolf would say draft a quarterback in the first draft a quarterback in every draft just to constantly be developing the position. Josh Allen will show enough this year that Bills fans will be okay with him going into next year. I'm confident of that, but he was straight up lost today. There's just a difference of being able to grind out wins against Cincinnati and win a huge game with the nation watching against the Patriots. So he's got a long, long way to go, but I'll be floored if the bills are actually ready to move on from him. Coming up, we're going to talk to one of my favorite people to talk sports and life with Carrington Harrison. This is the Danny Parkin show. Thank you for hanging out on the Danny Parkin show. This is CBS sports radio, radio.com and Sirius two Oh six. I love talking sports and really anything with this guy. We hosted afternoons together for, I don't know, four years or so in Kansas City. He still is holding it down on 610 Sports Radio in KC. You can follow him on Twitter at C.Harrison. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's a multimedia star. He's one of my best friends, Carrington Harrison, with me on the Danny Parkin Show. C.Dot, what's good, man? Hey, Parkins, I appreciate you having me on. Now, I, I consider you to be good at this. Have you talked about Antonio Brown today? Because if you had him, I'm hanging up the phone. I have not. I haven't said one word about him. Okay, good, because Antonio Brown, I don't know if you noticed this or not, Antonio Brown every Thursday, Sunday, and Monday does something so we can talk about him for a couple of hours, like, like clockwork. Watch tomorrow at, like, 1 o'clock, is going to tweet some foolishness and then everybody on social media will talk about it. He does it every he, he does it every Thursday.
Sunday and Monday. So I'm happy you haven't talked about it. No, I would I would never do that. There was too much great football. But I mean, tomorrow okay. is the it's it's the lock of all locks that is happening tomorrow because the Steelers are on Monday Night Football. No, a hundred percent. I I don't know if you know this or not, but Monday Night Football is over. Like I like the Monday Night Football that we grew up and loved watching and. You know, you would run home to watch Monday Night Football and the bum, 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 bum. It's over. It's absolutely over. Bengals and Steelers, two 0-3 teams. I have zero interest. Last week were Bears and Redskins. That was absolutely terrible. There's not a good Monday Night game until, like, week 12. Yeah, you know, it's, there's a, it's a bunch of factors for that, man. Like, obviously, Sunday Night Football has become incredible. Now we get Thursday night football every week, so our, our football jonesing is starting early. So if you're watching football Thursday – and Saturday, and Sunday, you're a little tired of it by Monday. And then, because the NFL hates ESPN, because, you know, ESPN does journalism around the NFL and talks about, like, concussions and domestic violence, they give them the third or fourth pick of games every single week, so the slate is just trash. They can't flex games because you can't flex games to a different day. It would mess with travel. So, yeah, Monday Night Football is just done. And it, was, it, was, it would have been saved if they would have gotten Peyton Manning. Like, when they tried to hire Peyton Manning, that would have put some buzz in the booth. Maybe if they get Romo, it'll help. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's over. I think that our generation, we just don't value commentators as much. Like, Romo's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But Romo's also on typically was one of the best three games of the week, too. But I think just because of the access of sports and our ability to watch it, like, we just don't really hold many broadcasters in high regard anymore. Think about it. Who's the top broadcaster under 40 years old? you probably would say Romo, but Romo's probably over 40 at this point. I'm not sure how old he is at this point. Like, we just don't really have an appreciation for broadcasters the way the generation before us did because, obviously, there were just less games on television. So when they were on television and you got the big college football game, you always heard Brent Musburger or you always heard Keith Jackson. Our generation is just so different. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. We're talking to Carrington Harrison. He does afternoons in Kansas City. I think because we're having you on, I'm contractually obligated to talk to you about Pat Mahomes because the best story in sports is in Kansas City, one of the most underrated places in America. I'm curious how you guys are balancing the conversation around him because everyone wants, and I'm guilty of this, you know I love hypotheticals and looking into the future, like, How many MVPs is he going to have? How many Super Bowls is he going to win? Is he the most talented player in the history of the position? How do you balance the big picture superlatives with the stark reality? And it hit me square in the face this week. Today was his first game ever in a dome. Like we're so early on in this guy's career. I feel like we're not fully appreciating how early it is. That's insane that he hadn't played in a dome. And we're talking about whether or not he can be Aaron Rodgers. How are you balancing big picture, little picture with Pat Mahomes? I don't really think there is a balance with Patrick Mahomes. Like when you do the things that he's done so early in his career, and it's not that he's been good. He's been dominant in 21 career starts. He's arguably the best player in the NFL. Now, last year, I thought it was an argument between him and Aaron Donald. I don't really think it's been an argument so far this season on who the best player is uh, in the league is. So when you do those things so early and in year two, you appear to be better than you were in year one, I think that Kansas City is willing to have the conversation. Now, Brady obviously has the accolades and we're so early in this that we're not having the Brady conversation, but the expectation is for him to be Peyton Manning. The expectation is for him to be better than Favre. The expectation is for him to be Aaron Rodgers. And given what we've seen so far this season, 
and what we've seen so far in his career. I just don't know if that's crazy or not. Like you and I are kind of the same that history tends to say that you're going to regress at some point, and, and then in year two the league's going to quote-unquote figure you out, and you'll see some level of regression. It just hasn't happened yet today. Even today against the Lions, the Chiefs maybe played a C-minus effort, but 240 in the game, two timeouts, down three. Patrick Mahomes took him down the field and had a big fourth and eight conversion. He was fantastic when they needed him to be today. And I'm with you. Like I, I'm, you know me, man. I'm, I'm here for all of the let's appreciate and fully understand and contextualize what we're watching while we're watching it. So, like, I'm not saying those big picture conversations shouldn't be happening, but it is fairly remarkable how early on we are in this thing. And I don't know what the, like, so what is of that observation, but I'm sure there are, like, a hundred other firsts that are going to come for Pat Mahomes that we're just not ready to fully understand yet. Like first game in a dome. Are you kidding me? That that's just so basic that it's stark to me how much more we have in front of us with this kid. No, you're 100% right. I think what makes this thing so different is he's become Brady or Peyton Manning at the early part of his career. Now Peyton Manning was good, but Peyton Manning wasn't arguably the best quarterback in the NFL his second or third season. Right. That took a little bit. Brady got off to the great start, but there were conversations that Brady was a game manager. Russell Wilson, it maybe took him three, four years to kind of hit the ground running and become a top five quarterback that I think he is in the league. Mahomes has just done this. Like you can take Mahomes first 21 starts and put them up against anybody from any time frame. not just first 20 starts, take the last 21 games that Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback from the Chiefs and compare it to any 20 game stretch that we've ever seen. This is 2007 Brady. This is 2012 Peyton Manning. This is 2011 Aaron Rodgers every single week. We're talking to Carrington Harrison. He does afternoons in Kansas city, but he's also just one of my favorite people to talk to. So I'm loving this world that we're living in, man, where all of a sudden the Cleveland Browns are so relevant that they'll be discussed on first take and all of the national talking head shows, no matter what the outcome is, because we just care about them. They've reached that Cowboys, Patriots, Steelers, Giants territory where we just care. Where are you at with the Browns? I was really high on the Browns at the very beginning of the season, kind of like a lot of people. I thought that Baker was going to take the same step that Carson Wentz took in his second season when I think he would have won MVP if he hadn't tore his ACL. I thought he was going to take that Jared Goff step. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we haven't seen that so far, but he was really good today. More than anything, I don't think there was a team in the league that needed to win more than Cleveland. If they had been 1-3, and three, and then they had to go back to that fan base with a game against Seattle, a game against San Francisco, and a game against New England coming up. It had five and 11 disappointing season written all over it with them. So the fact that he goes on the road, plays pretty well, outplays Lamar Jackson, who kind of outplayed him the first two, three weeks of the season, I thought was really impressive. My big question with Cleveland that maybe I underestimated when we were kind of evaluating them in the offseason is just I think their offensive line is bad. Not like – below average, I think their offensive line is bad. Can you win double-digit games with fair offensive line? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't either. I will I will say with Baker also, he he's regressing in a way that is normal, and I don't want to dock him too many points because it just seems like that's how it should be for most quarterbacks. And Pat Mahomes, to go back to your guy, 
He's the guy who doesn't seem to have regression in him. Like Deshaun Watson has had ups and downs. Carson Wentz has had ups and downs. Dak Prescott has had ups and downs. Jared Goff has had ups and downs. I don't feel like I want to write off Baker Mayfield for seriously underwhelming play so far this year because he's more on the normal career trajectory and Mahomes seems to be the outlier. Yeah, I try not to compare him to Mahomes because Mahomes is just so different, but I don't know if Baker has just I don't know if Baker has developed in the way or evolved in the way that we thought he was. And I don't think he's the consensus second-best quarterback under 30 years old. Again, I agree with you on Mahomes has put him in a different category. Baker just talks and acts like a star, and we don't really see him play like a star. Like, after Peyton Manning, who is in more NFL commercials than Baker Mayfield right now? Baker Mayfield is doing progressive commercials every two commercial breaks. Like, he just acts and carries himself like a star, and he brings on so much of the attention that I do think it's fair to kind of hold him to, well, why don't you play like this? Like, this was the first good team that they've beaten since he's been the quarterback today. They beat Baltimore last year, but Flacco was the quarterback. They beat teams like Cincinnati and Denver and the Jets. Why? Like, this is the first good win of Baker's career. Let's see uh, if it can continue. When you look at the standings and you see all of the teams that are two and two, what does it say to you? I think quarterback play is probably more down than people want to say. At least it is at an elite level. I think there is eight really good quarterbacks in the league, but I would say similar to the teams, once you get to the ninth best quarterback, there's not a big difference between the ninth best quarterback and the 20th best quarterback, and it's typically any given Sunday. The exact same thing are when it comes to teams. Who are the elite teams in the NFL? Chiefs, Patriots, maybe you want to put the Cowboys in that category. After that, the Rams today lost to the Buccaneers. Uh, last week, the Saints lost at home, or excuse me, the Seahawks lost at home to the New Orleans Saints. Like, there just aren't that many elite teams in the NFL, and that's what creates the parity that we have now. Plus, when you factor in quarterback injuries, that have happened. It's really anybody's game. Talk about this a lot in Kansas City. Like, who's, uh, who is the third best team in the AFC? I, I don't have the answer. It changes all the time. I would have told you Baltimore two days ago. I don't know if Baltimore is the, second, the third best team in the AFC. Maybe it's Houston. Maybe it's Cleveland. Like, I would say there are very few certainties right now in the league. The Chiefs are a certainty. The Patriots are a certainty. The Dolphins are a certainty in the absolute wrong way. There are just very few certainties in the league week to week, which makes it so fun to follow. Yeah, like the Bears defense is a certainty, but the team isn't a certainty. And I wouldn't put Dallas in the elite category. They, they've they beaten up on a really weak schedule. They've got a strong defense. Dak looks better, but they've got a real shot of losing tonight in New Orleans to Teddy Bridgewater and only putting up 10 points on the Saints defense in a dome. Like, I, I don't think Dallas is elite. I think Dallas is a product of a pretty favorable schedule. Yeah, I, I agree with you with that. Where with Dallas, I, I just think that Dallas is kind of like every other team. Like maybe you have Dallas fourth on your power ranking, your hypothetical power ranking. Like there's just not much of a difference between them and the 14th best team of the NFL. Now they might win seven times out of the 10 or six times of 10, but I think we're seeing once you get past the Chiefs and the Patriots, who appear to be elite, 13 and three, 14 and two teams. I just don't think there's a lot of variance week to week in the league. Talking to Carrington Harrison, does afternoons in Kansas City. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Find all of his social media stuff. It's at C.D.O.T. Harrison uh, on social media. I'm going to just ask you this open-ended question. What is the more broken thing in the NFL, roughing the passer or pass interference? I mean, that's like asking, is it worse to be drowned or die in a fire? I mean, both are absolutely terrible. 
Um, if I had to pick, I'll say pass interference is probably more broken than roughing the passer. I mean, Thursday night football, it was a problem. Now, that was a really good football game between the Eagles and the Packers. Every single challenge was a pass interference one, and now we're calling ticky-tack. Like, I understand what happened in Saints and Rams was bad, and I understand that part of instant replay's responsibility is to eliminate egregious mistakes. But right now, we're just seeing, like, I thought before the league had a problem on third and 10, let's just try to throw it deep, and then maybe we'll get a pass interference. And I think that offensive uh, teams were kind of coaching their players to kind of flop and fall and to create pass interference. Now it's even worse, I would say, and a bigger problem is there was a penalty in the game against the Lions, or excuse me, the the Eagles and the Packers, that, okay, if you're not going to call that pass interference live, I have absolutely no problem with it. But once you go back and review it, how could you come to the conclusion that it wasn't pass interference, that I think we create so much gray area, and instant replay has now put us in a point, and the way we watch games and we watch them in slow motion, that we argue that athletes didn't do cool things instead of just appreciating how cool the catch was, that too much of our time watching sports is spent watching the same play 19 times in super slow, high definition that just takes away some of the enjoyment from these games every week. He's at C.Harrison Harrison on Twitter. Listen to him in Kansas City on 610 Sports Radio. He does 2 to 6 p.m. Central every afternoon. C.Dot, good talking to you. Thanks, man. Hey, Danny, I appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, of course. Anytime. We'll do it again. Chiefs actually on Sunday night football one week from today against the Colts, who uh, tough game today for Indianapolis. Fought back valiantly. The uh, pick six from Jacoby Brissett, too much to overcome. Tough loss against the Raiders as the Raiders get ready to head to London to face the Bears. That Pat Mahomes situation is an interesting one in terms of what's too much too soon. But I think it's time to have a discussion about the changing of a guard on something that's been an NFL consensus for the last couple of years. We'll get into that coming up, plus more of your calls at 855-212-4227. This is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.